in the early days of the pandemic, <laughs> I mean, wow, I can't believe I'm actually even saying in the early days of the pandemic. But nonetheless, in the early days of the pandemic, there was a tweet circulating in which someone said, don't forget, when Shakespeare was in quarantine, he wrote King Lear. And there was another tweet that went around, which I couldn't find, but it went something like, if by the end of this pandemic you haven't lost weight or started a new business or written a book, then it wasn't that you lacked time, it was that you were lazy. And I was actually really heartened to see that by and large, the pushback against these types of tweets was quite negative. People inherently recognized that right now, at very least, productivity isn't the be-all and end-all. In fact, it never was. But there's something in us telling us otherwise. Can you guess what it is? <laughs> Getting Discomfortable with Productivity I think there are a lot of people like me who are agreeing with this sentiment about productivity not being that important. But at the same time, behind the scenes, are thinking to ourselves, I'd love to use this time to do something useful. And it goes to show how... We can know something cognitively, that productivity isn't that important, and yet the way that we have been conditioned by our culture throughout our lives tells a different story that affects us on this deep unconscious level and pressures us sometimes to do the exact opposite of what we consciously think is right. So we end up with this kind of schism where we, is that the word? Schism? Yeah, I think so. This kind of schism where we, I don't know why that word just seems crazy. We end up with this schism. Is that really the word? <laughs> a, ch a chism? A schism? Uh, I don't know. We end up with this tug of war, let's say that, between what we've learned as conscious adults to be true and what our conditioning is still kind of brainwashed and ingrained into doing. So on the one hand, I know cognitively, intelligently, intellectually, logically, in my brain, that productivity does not equal value, does not equal worth, does not make you a better or worse person. But then at the exact same time, deep down, there is this message inside of me fueled by shame that if I am not constantly working, creating, building, improving, putting something out into the world, progressing somehow, achieving something, having something to show for myself, then, in fact, in a deep way, I am unworthy, valueless, worthless, pathetic, nothing. It's like, why do I even deserve to be alive if I am not adding value to the world in some way? I find, as I've been working on my shame, that it has this uncanny ability to sneak up from behind me. Just when I think I've finally adapted to some of Shame's most disempowering messages, 
I find that I'm doing the exact same thing all over again, but in a subtler way. It's almost like the shame patterns that we got habituated into throughout our lives keep recurring just below our self-awareness, like just beneath our consciousness, the perfect place where shame likes to operate so that we don't see it and try to combat it or change it. So every time I think I've tackled one area of my shame, it just shrinks itself down again so that it's just below the surface of my awareness, where it can continue to operate in the exact same way, but just ever more subtly. So, for example, back when I was pursuing filmmaking, I had this idea that basically unless I became successful or famous, unless I gained some notoriety in my career, I had no value at all, really. So in in that case, shame was making me feel worthless because I wasn't really succeeding as much as I thought I needed to. So I had a lot of self-loathing and a lot of delusions of grandeur to try to prop up my ego. But I've worked through all of that, and I've found a really strong sense of self-esteem and self-love and pride. And I have all of this excitement about my achievements around shame. So in combating my shame about not achieving enough in filmmaking, shame snuck around to the back door and said, Psst, you still need to achieve a lot, but in a new arena around shame. So shame was like using my battle against shame to motivate more shame. But I didn't notice it because I was actually succeeding in a way that I felt was real this time. I was actually learning things and I was actually experiencing changes in my life that were really profound. And I, I mean, I, I got so much happier. I, I, I really was like, wow, AJ, you've actually done something that's meaningful and important for once. So I had this sense of pride and achievement. And that sense of pride and achievement stopped me from seeing that I was using that sense of pride and achievement to combat shame. So the shame was still there all along, but because I was achieving, because I was being productive, I was able to avoid seeing it or feeling it, but it was still operating. And I I think this is the case for a lot of really successful and productive people. You may have been motivated by a deep sense of shame and worthlessness at one point, but then you actually achieved so much that you lost touch with the fact that the engine of your motivation towards productivity and achievement was shame. And, you know, this seems fine while you are succeeding, but as soon as you have a failure or a mistake, the shame is going to come roaring back and overwhelm you as if you have achieved nothing at all. So achievement is a temporary solution to shame, assuming that you can maintain and increase your sense of achievement over and over and over again. You can't have any missteps. You can't have any downward slides. You have to constantly be getting better, bigger, more successful, more famous, whatever it is that is keeping your shame at bay has to keep expanding, kind of like a drug habit. You have to get more and more to experience the benefits of not feeling shame. And it's so insidious 
because you think that you are proud of yourself. You think that you're great. <laughs> you think that you love yourself, but you don't realize that your self-love is conditional. It is conditional to constant upward movement. At the core, I think it boils down to the classic shame message that you are not enough. It's this inherent belief that just being exactly the way you are at any given moment is not worthy. Shame's message is that something either needs to change, or it needs to be hidden and repressed forever, or it needs to be added to. You need to be augmented somehow in order to be worthy of love and respect and connection and belonging and all those good things. My shame message of not enoughness began many, many years ago when I realized I was gay and shame was just like, nope, that is unacceptable. So that part of you either needs to change or be completely hidden. So that's what I did. I completely hid it, even from myself. But then about 10 years later, I realized that being gay was fine and I unearthed that and I came out of the closet and the rest is history. But the shame message remained that there was just something about me that wasn't good enough. That was sort of habituated into me. It was conditioned into me, even though I had gotten over the whole gay thing. So at that point, it went from having to hide or change myself to having to augment myself. Because just whatever I happened to be in any given moment just wasn't enough. And so I needed to be really successful. I needed to be an overachiever. I needed to be a filmmaker or an actor. Or I needed a lot of attention. Like all these different strategies to try to add on so that my enoughness would reach the critical level where I was somehow worthy all of a sudden. And now I've reached the point of enoughness where I am feeling worthy, but only because of the achievements that I have piled on top of my not enoughness. <laughs> so still, even though I'm feeling good in this moment, the internal deep down message that I am not enough just the way I am suggests that I constantly need to be adding this extra value. And yes, I've added it today. So I get to love myself today. Hooray. But there's this subtle message that says, but what about tomorrow? Will you still be worthy tomorrow? And with that message in mind, I feel like I need to work my ass off. I need to be busy. I need to be productive. I need to achieve constantly. So any day that I spend saying, oh, I need to meet my need for relaxation today, my shame comes up and is like, oh, no, 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 no. We are barely clinging on to worthiness here, buddy. You need to work. I think this message is embedded directly in our culture. There's this idea that you don't get a free lunch. You don't get to be a human who exists in society unless you are adding value somehow. You need to be being good or getting better or learning or contributing. And it, what's so frustrating is that that's all great. Like it's, it's great to improve somehow and to have a sense of purpose and meaning. It's great to give back. It's, it's great to try to help out. You know, like, 
shame is motivating me to do good things. I just wish that it would give me a break sometimes. I wish that it would give me more balance. I want to have a healthier relationship with achievement, where I do it for the right reasons, not because of shame. And I feel very strongly that even if I didn't have shame, I would still want to achieve and do certain things because they're meaningful to me. This, this opens up a really interesting point about shame, which is that it is a negative reinforcement towards our need for belonging. But our need for belonging is also positively reinforced by pleasant emotions like joy and love and connection, you know, the best feelings that we have as a social animal. So I want to seek towards connection and achievement and purpose and meaning based on the positive reinforcements. Because that's me saying, this is what I want to do, and I want to reap the feel-good benefits of doing it. It's when I need to then balance belonging and achievement and purpose with some other needs, usually around relaxation or rest or care or even autonomy, perhaps. It's in those moments that the negative reinforcement of shame kicks in because I'm not able to say, okay, I've done enough. Now I get to lie on the couch and have a break or have a bubble bath or just take a weekend to watch movies the whole time. My negative reinforcement pops in at that moment because I'm no longer receiving the positive reinforcement of actually doing the work. And the negative reinforcement says, no, you're not allowed to meet your other needs. And the negative reinforcement presupposes that belonging is our most important need for survival. And when we were hunter-gatherers, belonging really was our core need for survival. If we fell out of our 150-person group, our tribe, we were going to die. It was as simple as that. But now we live in this modern super society where being kicked out of any one group is not going to lead to our death. But our instincts around shame and survival and belonging are exactly the same as when we were hunter-gatherers. They don't realize that things have changed. So basically, we're constantly acting under the subconscious belief that if we don't do all this stuff to fit in, we're going to die. But really, we're not going to die. And what that means is that we have an opportunity to meet some of our other needs instead of constantly grinding away at trying to achieve belonging. We can actually balance belonging with a bunch of our other healthy needs for self-care and autonomy and relaxation and authenticity and honesty. And all of that good stuff is also going to have a positive reinforcement that feeds into our sense of well-being, as is belonging, like belonging is important too. But we don't need to be motivated by the negative reinforcement towards belonging quite as much as our instincts and our shame seems to think we do. And in that space, we have an opportunity to feel the shame that comes up and say, of course, I'm feeling shame about this. I am conditioned this way. I'm programmed this way. My instincts act this way. But... I'm not going to act on that feeling. I'm not going to let that negative reinforcement control me because I know consciously 
that I live in a world where even if I'm not successful enough to fit in with the cool kids, I will not die. And in fact, consciously, I don't even value fitting in with the cool kids that much. It's mostly predicated on shame. And it's going to hurt because you're going to have to actually sit in the discomfort of shame for a while in order to let the feeling pass. And all emotions are temporary, including shame. So the shame will pass. All you have to do is feel it, accept it, say, of course, put a hand on your chest, whatever you need to do. Just don't fall into any of your classic reactions. That's the way shame gets you. It makes you feel bad. And then you're like, oh, I feel bad. I got to go to my computer and I got to start working. But if you just sit with that bad feeling and don't follow its message to go to the computer and work, within a few minutes, as long as you don't like ruminate and stimulate this thought over and over again, within a few minutes, it should pass. And when it passes, you go back to your neutral equilibrium where your cognitive brain can say, okay, what do I really want to do right now? What do I really value? Do I need to keep grinding? What am I getting out of that? Or do I need a break? Like, what do I authentically need when I'm not being controlled by shame? It's letting myself feel a little bit of discomfort now, not acting on it, so that later I can feel a lot more pleasantness. So it's not about rejecting my shame. It's not even about arguing with my shame. It's not about trying to get all logical on my shame. You know, there is definitely some use to really honoring the logic in your brain that you don't have to be productive to be valuable. That kind of thinking is great. There, there is some effect. But when it comes down to my deep cultural conditioning and I'm in shame, all I can really do in that moment of feeling shame is accept it, feel it, and let it pass. Whenever I am really, really struggling with an emotion, it almost always turns out that it's because not only is that emotion unpleasant, but on top of that unpleasantness, I am fighting the emotion. I am saying in a subtle, subconscious way, I don't want to be feeling this. I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't have to feel this. This isn't fair. This isn't good. I'm bad if I feel this. This isn't the right thing to be feeling. Any of those kind of messages. And, and, and of course, it's always just below my consciousness, the, the perfect place for shame to operate. And it's like this, again, this like schism, this wrestle that adds even more unpleasantness on top of an already unpleasant sensation. And in fact, by wrestling with the emotion, seems to elongate it. It's so exhausting. And then when I have that light bulb, wait, it's okay. It's okay to be feeling this. Then I do the whole put my hand on my chest and say, of course I'm feeling this. Yeah, you want to feel a little bit of shame, body? We can do shame. And before long, it passes. It comes back. Don't get me wrong. It always comes back. But I have a lot more utility by accepting it than wrestling with it. And who knows? Maybe over time, I can kind of rewrite my conditioning such that my shame gets triggered less and less or I wrestle with it less and less. I don't know. I mean, I spent 35 years being conditioned one way, so I can't really expect it to change overnight. Not to mention the fact that the main period of the conditioning was when my brain was still malleable as a child. 
There's no question that there's a certain point in your teens or in your 20s where your brain finally crystallizes and the patterns that have been set in there are pretty permanent or to some degree, more or less, they're going to be there in some form or other forever. So my goal is to build on them and adapt to them such that I can work with them and offset them in ways where I end up not being controlled by them, as opposed to fighting them and smashing them and trying to repress them and reshape them and change them. And one of the best ways to adapt to them and work with them is to just be honest about them. The more I can just say exactly what's going on for me without acting on it, the more I'm able to make a choice after saying what's happening. In fact, it's almost like instead of acting on my shame by like running to my computer and doing work in order to feel productive, I can just say to someone, I'm having shame about not being productive. And saying it to someone becomes the action that I am doing based on that shame. And it's a much more productive action in the sense not of not productive in the sense of productivity and achievement but sort of constructive I should say I'm not actually giving in to the message built into that shame but I'm doing something by being honest and transparent about it by being fully authentic it's tough because shame is often operating just beneath my consciousness But the more I can work on mindfulness and authenticity, the more I can start to see those things. And the more I talk about them with people openly and honestly, the more I become aware of them and the more the people I talk to become aware of them. And it's just sort of like creates this culture where we all start to recognize the way aversive emotions like shame and fear are operating behind the scenes and controlling us. And when we bring them up into the light of our consciousness and we talk about them, that can be enough of an action for the emotion to feel kind of heard and expressed and pass. I think that's all an emotion wants is to be felt and accepted, heard and expressed, especially expressed. I think we forget that about emotions. Emotions are not an internal message only for us. Emotions very specifically are designed to show through our body, especially through our faces. I think of emotions as kind of our first language. We want to show specifically what is happening inside of us. That will help us communicate. It will will help us connect. It will help us understand each other. It will help us really know each other. It's kind of a gift to show someone This is what is happening in my internal world. It's the closest we can get to kind of seeing inside of someone else's experience. And we have these mirror neurons that stimulate empathy. So we literally take on and feel some of that emotion. It's this resonance between people that can be a really powerful form of bonding. So when you take your emotions, especially the unpleasant ones, even the ones you don't want to be seen, and you express them and you discuss them and you bring them up into your consciousness, it helps you manage them. It helps you adapt to them. It helps you decide how do I actually want to react in this situation as opposed to being controlled by the emotion that I am allowing to operate under the surface unseen. 
So our constant working, our constant desire to be productive feels right because it mitigates our shame. It stops us from feeling the negative reinforcement of our conditioning that says we need to be productive and successful and achieve things in order to fit in and belong, which connects to our instinct that says if we don't fit in and belong, we will die. That's what's happening there. And the solution is to allow ourselves to feel shame, to embrace the feeling of it, just the feeling, not the beliefs that pop up about, oh, you're lazy, or you're not worthy, or you're not contributing, or you're not good. Just embrace the feeling long enough for it to pass. Because when it passes, a bunch of those beliefs will go with it. And if you're anything like me, Shame will be operating on this very subtle, very insidious level that's deeply connected to a bunch of really beautiful desires of improvement and learning and growth and evolution and helping and service. Shame can use those good things to motivate us to do things when really deep down it's more about fitting in and belonging than it is about actually pursuing those beautiful things for their own sake. And I guess that's better than nothing. Like, you know, (laughs) at least you're doing something that's useful. But I think it's worth trying to figure out, am I doing these good things for the positive reinforcements, the pleasant feelings that come from doing them, or am I doing them to avoid the negative reinforcements, the shame that feels awful when I don't do them? And if I wasn't receiving that negative reinforcement all the time, would I be doing as much Or would I be balancing things a little bit better? Would I be meeting more of my needs? This is right now so clear because we're in the middle of an unprecedented pandemic. We're dealing with all kinds of new and scary situations and intense emotions like we wouldn't normally have to deal with. And yet this message of productivity is still pounding away at us. It's almost certainly not for the positive reinforcement of contributing and all that. You know, there's going to be a bit of that. There's no question. But I think if we didn't have that intense negative reinforcement towards productivity, we would be going a lot easier on ourselves. We would be really honoring how unprecedented and crazy this whole thing is. We'd be saying, do whatever you got to do to survive. And belonging in the way that we've construed it in this constant productivity, belonging in the capitalistic achievement, busyness, having accomplishments and successes to show for yourself, that's not the kind of survival strategy, I think, that's really going to help right now in a pandemic. Getting awards and being impressive and looking cool, those are not going to save us right now. So we have an opportunity here to get discomfortable with shame and some of our other negative feelings so that we can reevaluate on the other side as to how we want to live right now. What is the best strategy to get through this? And I really, I really want to touch in on this idea of self-improvement, this idea of always trying to get better and better. 
You know, like, that's what I'm doing. I'm always self-improving and I'm always trying to get better. And I don't want to say that that's entirely a bad strategy, but there's no question that at the core of it, it really is motivated by not feeling enough. If I felt like I was inherently enough just the way I am, without any changes and any improvements or any successes or any forward motion, just me sitting in a pile of mud doing nothing, if that really was enough, I would probably have quite a different relationship with self-improvement. I'm not exactly sure what that relationship is yet, but I can tell that this whole idea of having to always be good having to always be trying so hard, isn't quite the way I want to be. But now I can already see the the rub there. It's like, I need self-acceptance about the fact that I'm not perfect, and I need self-acceptance about the fact that I am imperfectly, constantly trying to be more perfect. Whatever the solution is, I think there is something to the idea of being honest, transparent, and authentic. It's not about me always trying to get better or be the best or be as good as I can be. It's more about honoring what I actually am. Instead of always trying to improve what I am, it's just sort of like, here is what I am. And from that place of acceptance, I think there's an opportunity to be leaning into the positive reinforcement of what do I want to do now? Not what do I have to do to be better, not what should I do to improve. Just given that this is where I'm at right now, what do I want next? And it might be that I want to learn more or that I want to grow. Like that would lean into the positive reinforcement again. And that might be very authentically what I want to do. And it would be a much healthier way for me to self-improve or whatever you want to call it than leaning into the negative reinforcement of I need to be better, I should be better, I have to be better. And probably sometimes I'll lay it all out there and be like, ah, that's fine, I'm going to take a nap. I don't need to do nothing. So it might be worth examining some of these things that seem really positive about making yourself better, making the world better, these ideas of improvement, to get really granular, really zoom in on them, and see if you can differentiate once again where you are being motivated by the negative reinforcement of shame, and where you could lean into the positive reinforcement of the good feelings that you authentically want to pursue for their own sake, because they feel good and they're meaningful and they add to your well-being. That subtle distinction might be where we cross the line between this busy, busy productivity culture and this really meaningful sense of purpose and flow and creativity. And if you do encounter the negative reinforcement, if that is what's really alive behind your productivity, then that's okay. All you need to do is feel and accept that. All you need to do is just sit in the discomfort of it until it passes. And when you get to the equilibrium on the other side, you can ask yourself once again, okay, what do I actually want to do now? 